Hey, Upper Room family, Brian Guerin here, and I pray that this message from Titus 116 would bless you guys. Uh, it has really challenged me lately to aspire to take my walk uh, with Jesus and loving and knowing him deeper, you know, and hopefully in a more sincere way versus merely professing um, to know him that that verse mentions. You know, sometimes I think if we're not careful, we can fall into the category of this kind of inner self-assurance that we know him when maybe we don't quite like we need to. And so I pray it challenge you, convict you, and most of all, make you fall more in love with Jesus. And um, love you guys dearly. Michael and Larissa are my heroes. And, and again, I hope it blesses you guys. See you soon. Awesome. Praise Jesus. Praise God. Thank you so much. Such an honor uh, to be with you all. And... Um, Man, I just first off want to honor Pastors Michael and Larissa. Can we give it up in the entire Upper Room team? Yeah. I think you guys know this, but I said this earlier at the uh, AM service, that sometimes it helps to hear from you know, outsiders coming through that you all have the best pastors on planet Earth. I hope you know that. Such a rare breed. So thankful. Uh, Michael is such an impact in my life, um, continues to be, and, and your guys' worship, oh my gosh, I was saying this earlier, we, we're like upper ruminites, I made that word up in the morning service, but we just break everything that you put out of here, like repeat buttons, pray it over and over and over, I, I, uh, I told uh, Miller, honestly, I don't know his name, I don't know a lot of the names, but I said, oh my gosh, I weep to this guy's stuff, he goes, yeah, that's Rafi or Rafi, yeah, so, and what is it? Rocky. Oh, come on, bro. Rocky. Oh, I like Rocky. It's pretty, pretty nice. But anyway, but so, uh, so thankful for you guys. You're, you obviously know this, but again, I think sometimes it helps to hear, you know, from the outside in, like how special this house is. Such a rare gem in the earth. It's impacting the world over and over again. And, um, you know, just would encourage you sometimes. It's, it's kind of like I was messing around with our students recently on this, how I even have to be careful of this at times. Just, I think it's human nature. If you always have something before you, sometimes if you're not careful, you can begin to take it for granted. And, and I likened it to this, it just came to me in the moment. It wasn't a really special analogy, but, you know, let's just say you have filet mignon. Anybody love a good steak? Yeah, so, amen. It's definitely the Lord. But filet mignon every day, and you're like, man, it's incredible. You know, just have it cooked all kind of different ways. It's special. And then you've somebody all of a sudden brings a pack of Twinkies over here, and you've just never had it before. You're like, oh my gosh, it just seems amazing. There's three holes in the bottom. It's the number of the spirit. There's there's cream in the middle. It's just, uh, and they're nutritionally useless. And you know, but you can start to your value system can get off. And I just want to encourage you guys through and through, you know this, but just to remind you, this house, the leadership across the board, everything's just the filet mignon of the top of the top and what the Lord's doing here. And um, I, don't, I don't know if you want me to go back through all the prophetic. You want me, I'll share this one. I didn't get to share that olive story, so I'll do that. How many of you were here this morning? Okay, good, only a few. You can act like you, you didn't hear it. and Let me be laughing. I'm teasing. But no, so... Because uh, I think it's just very important. I think there's so much, obviously, on this house, the leadership, and where you guys are not only at, but going and con going to continue. 
I believe to sustain until the Lord's return, which is very, very important. You know, I kind of cut my teeth in a move of God in uh, Pensacola for two years. So I got born again in 98 uh, when I was 20, steeped in sin, was really out there, fell in ease the whole bit, and the Lord rocked me. I fell in love with him. Got thrust over to Pensacola, Florida, two years, amazing move of God. And it came and, go, it came and, and went. And you know, you know of Azusa Street Revival, a lot of moves, they just come and go. And we're thankful for them, that what all God does. But I think what's building here is only going to ever increase, go glory to greater glory, to sustain until the Lord's return. I believe a part of it is preparing for his return. And I just wanna encourage you guys, just dig in for the long run and uh, lock in. I do want to share that from First Peter here in a second, but how it kind of started, I saw it years ago in a, a dream with Pastor Michael Miller and uh, Pastor Michael Kulianos. So thankful for their lives. I was sharing earlier before we planted in Atlanta, a little community there, it's such an honor to run with them. We're only about two years old, so I was on a FaceTime with, with both of them and Michael Miller says, well, I'm going to tell you, you're going to die a thousand deaths. <laughs> Stepping into the pastor role, you know. And he's right. I'm at like a thousand and one in two years, I, I said. But anyway, years ago, I was staying at Michael Kulianos' house, and we had a big event coming up. You know, to us, it was, you know, seemingly going to be this amazing thing, thousands. And we just thought it was going to be this powerful multiple speakers and looking forward to it. And I'm sure it was, and may God get glory. But nevertheless, we were praying that night about what the Lord was going to do that next weekend at this big conference that we thought was super special. And again, the Lord has its place for it. But that night, I go into a pretty profound dream that was showing months out, and it actually connected to your pastor. And I learned a big lesson there, and I've continued to learn this in life. When you think something's so important that you've got to hear God on it, it's important to you, and then he just talks about something totally different, just know that's what's important, what, what he's talking about. You can go ahead and just close that chapter and, and go on to what he's... It'll help. It'll save you so much time. Really. Just if you're spending all these hours and toil, and he's just, he's just totally silent. He's loving and kind, but sometimes he just won't answer. And then he'll start talking about this over here. It's because that's what's important. And so, uh, so I go into this dream, though, and I saw uh, both Michaels as these olive trees in this dream. And I know them to be only in a couple places in Scripture. And obviously, the Lord was just highlighting them as like a prototype, not the literal ones from Scripture, but a, you know, a model, I think, we can look at in the earth. And, and I think I even awoke, uh, was awakened out of the dream at 4.11. I forget. It's been years ago. Is that... Uh, Michael Koulianos' house. I'll say Miller and Cooley to save time. Is that okay? That's what I call him, yeah. And um, so I, look, I begin to look up these two olive trees. The Lord basically said, hey, pay attention to these two guys. I liken them to two olive trees I mentioned in Scripture. So I'm digging through and, and remember the 411 piece. So Zechariah 4.11 is actually where they first pop up. It's these two, basically the angel who talked with Zechariah, he would always say, the angel who talked with me said this, and there was this angel assigned to Zechariah. And in Zechariah 4, he sees these two olive trees, he goes into this experience, and he doesn't know who they are, and the angel says, you don't know who they are? They're the two anointed ones that stand beside the Lord of all the earth. Let's just say this pulpit would be, be the Lord, just for a focal point. 
So they, what they do is they stand beside the Lord of all the earth in Zechariah 4, and they minister to the Lord. It says the oil from the olive tree pours into the bowl, and it keeps these seven flames lit that I believe is a picture of the seven spirits of God that stay lit before the throne, so the governance of God. There's so much there. It's beautiful. But they minister to the Lord, and then you see in Revelation, you take the 411 and you flip it. How many of you love the prophetic and it gets fun? Okay, I hope you can just track with me. It just gets interesting. I was telling them this morning, I'm not that guy. That's what's so funny. I'm like super practical. I love to fish and whatever. Like I'm not very like that. But I've learned to follow the Lord, and he's that way at times. The, the Old Testament says that he spoke to Moses face to face as a friend, but also to the prophets and parables and riddles. And um, so you go to Revelation and you flip it, and it's Revelation 11:4, and they pop up again. And so then the light bulb went off. I realized in about a few months I was going to be speaking in a conference together with them in Cleveland, um, Ohio, and the conference was on 411. So it was this whole thing the Lord was sewing together, and simply put, you see them only come on the scene right before the final days of the Lord. And they sustain until he comes. And so there's really something on this house, I believe, that should encourage you all with where your pastor is going to not only steward the work and move of God as it continues to grow, but it'll sustain until his return. This is going to be some fly-by-night thing. And so a funny story that I forgot to tell this morning, you guys will get the exclusive fun part of it, uh, was when I first came here to minister years ago, I was staying at Miller's house and and coolly, Pastor Michael was coming in. It's, it's tough. I, there's an honoring part publicly in me, but then I call him Cooley as friends. So I wanted to say, yeah, it's that whole honor thing. But he flew in, uh, Koulianos, and he was about to speak here. We all arrived right when we get together. I think it was right around that time. Larissa was at home. She just got back from the store. And we knew of this word, and I'll mess with him now and text him olive trees and all this. And, and uh, the point is, though, that they're really, God's got his eye upon them. You know, I was like, Lord, I'm in that conference, too. Am I some type of tree? Can I be a tree? He's like, no. no. He's like, no. You're just at the conference, you know. And uh, I'm teasing. But so uh, Coley flies in. We're all here. Larissa's watching live stream at home. And it's just fun things that happen at times. It just get a little wild and interesting. And I think it was Freeland just coming through the kitchen, throwing a ball, um, she said, and and he throws a football over. She had all of the groceries out. And she, she, he throws a football over. And it just so happens, doom, doom, and it hits the two jars of olives she just bought. And one was, I think, Spanish. One was Greek olives. And they, they fall together. Michael just landed. And he's behind the pulpit preaching. We're all here. And he, he, we're on live stream. It hits the two olives. They hit the ground, break, and, and blend together. And uh, she's like, oh my gosh, this is the whole deal. And so it's just fun how it works. And so you got to picture Coley's humor. We, we get back later and she's telling the story. And right away, man, just quick wit. He goes, oh, I was the Greek olives. <laughs> right away. He had to go ahead and claim that, you know. But um, anyway, and just so much more, I believe. I shared another thing that I believe is just with this house and where you guys are going. And just want to encourage you. That's part of what I wanted to share, a little piece I've been feeling. Kind of wind on from First Peter. Um, two, if you don't mind turning there. It won't be the main thing I'm talking about, but just want a quick exhortation out of that. How many of you love the Bible? 
Come on, man. Thank you, Jesus, for his word. Thank you for his word. I just want to encourage you to fall in love with the word of God. Uh, I love that Michael was saying that, you know, with the, the youth and the young men staying clean through the word. The Bible says, how does a young man keep his way pure? By taking heed according to this word. It says, I've hidden his word in my heart that I might not sin against him. It keeps you clean and pure. Something about it is so pure. It washes us, the water of his word. I love that, you know, in the beginning was the word. I love, just, it's, uh, it's coming back on the forefront. This book is above every name. And he's not lowering the standard of it for anyone. I kind of like that. Very loving and kind, but he's not budging on this. I don't know if you know that. It's this, this is the standard. It never did change. I don't care what you think culture's doing, fads coming and going, this is the standard always. Would never budge from it. So good, so pure and clean. I love the Bible says, the fear of the Lord is clean and it endures forever. It doesn't come and go and have good months, better months. It's clean and it endures forever. Every time you check out the fear of the Lord, it's clean. Help us, Jesus, by your grace. It's so good. It's sweeping the church right now. The spirit of the fear of the Lord. I don't know I was going to go here, but um, Isaiah 11 is really powerful. It says, um, it breaks down kind of the seven attributes of the spirit of God. Wisdom, counsel, we need it all. Might, um, knowledge, understanding. But then it says one of those offshoots from the spirit of God is the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And don't get it twisted. It's straight up fear. We've kind of tried to candy coat it. I'm just being honest with you, but just search it out. It's straight up awe and fear. If you break it down, it means to cherish a valuable Persian vase and carry it with just reverence and, and awe, the fear of God. It's like Uzzah touching the ark too lightly. He's so kind and good, and you can put your head on his chest, but also he can shift on a dime. The reverential awe of God's coming back, and it's clean. It's so pure, so good. You want it, trust me. Sometimes it sounds religious and like God's got a bony finger up there. He's, he's filled with love. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But when it, when it hits your home and you just want it to get on your kids and just trickle down into everything, it starts to check motives of the heart. It gets down into selfish ambition and things like this. And it's, it's so pure, so clean. But I love in Isaiah 11 too, gives you all these breaks, breakdowns of attributes of the spirit of God. And it says that uh, the spirit of the fear of the Lord is one of them. And then all of a sudden it jumps to verse three and it says, in his, capital H, talking about Jesus, his delight was in the fear of the Lord. Named all seven, they're all powerful and needed, but where does Jesus find delight and never come out of? The fear of the Lord. Hebrews 5, 7 says, Jesus, human, the human side, to, he's completely 100% human, 100% God, we know that, sinless. But Hebrews 5, 7, it says that he prayed, Jesus did, he prayed with loud cries and tears. But if you read further, it says, but he was heard because of his reverence. We need it back, I'm telling you. Even you'd think the father were like, that's my son. He left all deity, Philippians 2, he, to, to go to this earth, non-assuming. You'd think he'd answer it, loud cries and tears, but it was the reverence that triggered it. Isn't that awesome? I just want it to come back again in a healthy way. I feel like it's got a bad rap. And the fear of the Lord, you just want it. Just trick yourself into knowing this Bible and say, that's for me. You know, and it'll be good. And knowing Jesus delights in it, I think is, is super helpful. But um, watch this, 1 Peter 2. Oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say earlier. The Word of God 
it's so, so glorious. May, may a hunger for the word come, up, come on us again. And I was saying this last night, I was saying sometimes if we're honest with ourselves, do you ever find yourself like, man, this just isn't, it's not, like it's not coming alive, help me, Lord. You know, my thoughts are everywhere. And so that totally happens to me all the time. And so what I'll do is, if it helps, a little practical tip is, I'll just stop and be like, Holy Spirit, please help me. Uh, you wrote this book. This is the inherent word of God. Please help me, Holy Spirit, I need you. And you don't wanna read it so you can get smart. You don't want to read it so you can have another sermon. You want to read it to know Jesus. And when your heart shifts the right way and you ask the author, it just comes alive. It's really beautiful. And then you start, you're all over the place. You're like, man, Leviticus, what? This, you know, and you, everybody knows you skip that one normally. But, <clears throat> but it just comes alive. And so the beginning, in the beginning was the word. Let there be light. John says, in the beginning was the word and the word was God. And he was with God. And then in the end, he comes back on a white horse called the Word of God. The bookends of this whole thing are the Word of God. He's coming, the, the Word of God, it's the standard. And then I love to even see it as the middle, just you can run to the middle of this book, the Word of God, and the largest chapter in all of the Bible is Psalm 119. And it's all about the Word of God. It's incredible. Just be saturated with it. Just want to encourage you guys, jump into the NT24 and, and all that. But watch this, First Peter um, 2. Uh, we'll start in verse 1. And I mainly want to talk from 4 down, and then we'll, we'll jump, kind of springboard and talk to you from my heart. And I think, if it's okay, I got the green light from uh, Pastor Miller. I think I may do a fire tunnel. Is that cool? Get swirly up in here? Okay. He, sa he, said, the, uh, he said the prayer team was on go, so sorry I didn't ask your permission, but yeah. So a bomb may go off and it get really swirly and good. So I won't, won't be too long. You guys know what those are? Everybody, okay. Anybody do not know what they, they are? Awesome, you're gonna get smoked, man. It's gonna be, gonna be good. <laughs> gonna be so good. You can't find them in scripture, but they are scriptural because you lay hands and it's good. All right, verse one. Um, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, Hypocrisy, help us, Lord, to lay aside all these things. Uh, envy and all evil speaking. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word. There it is again. Sometimes you need to lay things aside so you can have a fresh desire for the pure, pure milk of the word. That you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. I'm in the New King James, so yours will probably read similar. Verse 4. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Thank you, Lord. Verse 5, you also as living stones. So this, this is helpful because look, it says, coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men. And then verse 5 says, we're also living stones. So guess what you're gonna, what's going to happen to you? You're going to get rejected by men. Just go ahead and know that's part of the resume that's coming. And help us, Lord. But living stones, are, this is the main part I want to point out, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So, uh, well, we'll keep reading. Verse 6, therefore, it is also contained in the Scripture... Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious. 
He who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But, listen to this, to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. I was really feeling this strongly the other day. I believe the Lord, we all know, he's the chief cornerstone. And he's building you and I a spiritual house as living stones into each other and ultimately into him. And I've been sensing this really strong lately that he's, he's really after family. But part of that family, just want to encourage you guys, just go deep together. Who cares? Like you, you, there's some people, let's be honest, they get on your nerves, but you got to just lock in. You're, you're being, being built a spiritual house. You can't be like, no, you're on the other wall. Like I'm, I'm going to lock in with who I like and, you know. But part of that being built up a spiritual house means you're going to be chiseled by God to fit into each other and ultimately into him. And so the quicker we can just get over us and say, chisel me, Lord, let me, you know, yeah, yeah. You just say that chisel me, Lord. <laughs> That's awesome. We'll fit in together and he'll get glory. And I love to even look at this second half where it says, man, to, to you and I, if we'll see this and be like, you know what? This thing is about his glory and him having his spiritual house, the sac sacrifice acceptable to him. And we being built up as a family, tethered into the chief cornerstone found in Jesus Christ, then he he's precious when we see him that way. He's precious and chosen, so are we in a holy nation, royal priesthood. But to those that are disobedient, meaning if you don't like the chiseling part. You don't want to be fit into the spiritual house and ultimately the chief cornerstone. You tend to be become disobedient and that same chief cornerstone that's meant to be precious to you all of a sudden turns into a rock of a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. People don't see the Lord this way sometimes. But in this hour, I feel like he's really starting to amp up the accountability on his bride in his church. Things that worked in the past aren't really working anymore, just to let you know. Things that were permissible in the past, they're no longer beneficial. He's cutting out the fat, the broad path's getting a lot more narrow. And it's not religion, it's just, it's forsaking everything else for him. It's pure love. And, um, and so I love that. Like if you start ever feeling like, you know what, I feel like the Lord's offending me. He's, he doesn't seem like a chief cornerstone runner. He seems like a rock of offense. Then this passage shows you you're probably not allowing him to chisel you out and fit you into the spiritual house and ultimately him. And normally that stems from selfishness, selfish ambition. We want it our way. We're really good at, and I'm always preaching to me just so you know, we're really good at looking at the other stone and be like, yeah, they need a lot of work. You know, or the whole, like, you can see sawdust in other people's eyes, and you get, like, a full-blown two-by-four hanging out chairs, you know, <laughs> knocking people over. But often we're like, man, they need, yeah, I need, they need, if they want to fit into me, they got to cut that angle, and, and the Lord's like, no, I'm cutting both of you. <laughs> you have to, we have to fit into each other, and, uh, and ultimately into him. So it's good. And then he stays where he needs to be, precious, chief cornerstone, not a stone of stumbling, so I just pray that just to start that as a family, he's really in that right now. Trust me. This isn't the hour to run off and do your own maverick thing. We need each other. It's what he's doing. It's what he's always been. Just you want to go submit all of who you are under this book 
Everything that you find, like, wait, my life doesn't line up there, come under it. I love James 1.21, it says, receive with meekness the implanted word of God. We've got to get low, make this thing super high again, and, and conform to it, be transformed, obviously, out of the conformity of the world. But leadership, this house and family, just lock in with each other, be gracious, realize that, hey, we're going to make mistakes, certain people are quirky. I've been encouraging our people, hey, go to them first. The people that get on your nerves, just go ahead and get the edges off of you as a stone and you'll fit better. Just love each other. Lay our lives down for others. Just thinking about us. It's about his glory and others. And so, so I want to bless you with that first. Um, and then talk to you from my heart. I won't keep you too long about um, where I was feeling. We'll see where it will, will direct. But basically, one of the most valuable things I feel like in life, and it's to know him, to, to love and know him. And I want to hit it from a fresh angle that I've been seeing out of Titus as well, hopefully if we have time, and then we'll just have a bomb go off. Is that okay? Yeah. I'll tell you a funny quick story before we get started, and then I want to pray. But we, we used to have these um, events on these cruise ships where we just all get on and trap people in the glory for a few days, and it was awesome. <laughs> and then... Uh, and, and then the, the COVID thing hit and we couldn't, we couldn't do it for a while. And so, um, but the, la uh, the last night we were there, we had a meeting going on and we had promised everybody a fire tunnel. There's hundreds of people in the last night. Well, the speaker for that night went way past his time and I, I'm knowing that they have an event in the same venue on the ship, like in minutes. And I'm kind of hosting the thing. And so I was like, oh, I felt horrible because I'm really into keeping my word. And I, I knew I was going to have to be the one to tell the people we couldn't do it. And, and it's just kind of funny how this happened. And so I get up and I'm saying, hey, I'm so sorry. Uh, we're not going to be able to have the fire tunnel. And right about then, another speaker, I, I see his head floating. He comes up here and he's like, hey, no, I got a brilliant idea. Bro, we just line up at the exit door and quickly on our way out, we're good. And the spirit of dumb hit me, man. I was like, brilliant. Oh, yeah, that sounds, it's a great idea. <laughs> Normally, I'm a little more calculated than this. I was like, oh, yeah, never mind. It's back on, fire tunnel. All right, we're going to hurry up and line up at the exit door. We line up, Holy Spirit melee. I mean, taser guns going off, bodies phew, flying everywhere, <laughs> piling up at the door. And I'm like, oh, help me, Lord. And, uh, and, and I come to find out they're trying to get back in that venue because that night they're having karaoke. So this was pretty cool, though, how the Lord got glory on this. And um, one couple, they're lining up, and our people are just slammed full of the Holy Spirit, which often looks like intense joy because the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, is joy. Psalm 16 says, in his presence is the fullness of joy. You can't outmax the joy in his presence. At his right hand, pleasures forevermore. I love the Bible says, is it Psalm 46 or somewhere in there? It says, there's a river whose streams uh, make glad the city of God. And so when the river gets loose, these streams, I'm telling you, I've seen it. They start breaking off the side, sneaking people. And it makes glad the city of God. And um, so this was kind of happening and bodies are stacking up. And, and the... <laughs> And the entrance is the exit, so they're all trying to get in. And so there's, there's these people lining up for karaoke, alcohol, all this, and, and they're like, what are they drinking? Like, they wanted what we had. 
And so this, this one couple, it was precious, Jessica Culianos, uh, Michael's wife, she's like, hey, y'all wanna come on through? Come on through the line. So she's like, yeah, it looks great. She's got her cocktail, she, they, so they're coming on through the line. <laughs> and the, the, uh, the husband had a brace on his arm, some cast or something with his arm. He got totally healed coming through. Yeah, praise God. And then, uh, and then they both got born again on the other side. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so praise God. The spirit of dumb worked. It was fruitful. It hit me good, and, and it was so good. So, so that will be awesome. But, um, yeah, I just want to talk to you real brief. We'll, we'll pray, and then I uh, won't keep you long. So, Lord, thank you so much for your presence. Thank you for your word, Lord. Be glorified. Thank you for this house, Lord. Thank you for all you're doing through Pastors Michael and Larissa. Be glorified, Jesus. Holy Spirit, glorify Jesus like never before. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, yeah, just want to talk to you briefly about knowing and loving him. I, I really see it as the highest prize in life. You know, I've just seen more and more in Scripture. When this, all, this whole thing said and done, you know, when your and I, life wraps up, it all lands at, did you know him or not? Um, John 17, three says, Jesus said, red letters, he says, this is eternal life that you may know him. The father and the son, myself, he was saying, whom, whom you have sent. And the more I'm seeing this thing, I'm like, man, I just want, that's what I want on my grave. If he doesn't come back before I, I um, go on, is he knew him. And not to, for other people to be like, wow, but I just, I want to know him. And I'm starting to see in scripture, if we're not careful, and please hear this in, in love and know I'm preaching to me always first. Um, if we're not careful, there's clear depictions I can see in scripture where we often think we do and we're not quite up the road as far as we think we are. In this topic right here, knowing him. Often we're fooled by a lot of horizontal stuff that's going on that's got kingdom fingerprints on it, but do we know him? And I just, I pray, help us, Lord, know on this side, because this is where it's all going to. Do you know him? Every time the Lord sees anybody at the end, it always comes down to, but no, I don't know you. Or I do know them, or I never knew you. It's not about what all you've done. He does reward you according to that, but do we know him? Do we truly love him and know him? And that looks like so many different things, expressions in ministry, fruit, works, praise God. But at the end of the day, um, do we know him? And so I love in uh, Philippians 3, you see Paul kind of pen it. He's, um, he's kind of giving you his resume and telling you, you know, how special really his background could be should he want to hang his hat on it. And I love that after he gives you this rap sheet, he pulls out a scroll on all of his, you know, his kind of resume. He says, I just want you to know, though, this is my version, Philippians 3, you come right into verse 8. He says, all of that that I just explained to you, it could be whatever it is to you, whatever you've done, your history, how much you know, who you know in God, all your encounters, whatever it may be. He said, all of it, I count, I need you to know this, all of this, I count as garbage when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, uh, to know him. So I just want to encourage us, even practically, like tomorrow, what's my highest goal today? To know and love him. To love and know him. You can flip it however you like, to know him. And it looks like many uh, different things practically. 
And so he said, compared to that, it's very valuable. He just said, when you compare it to knowing him, it's complete trash. He just, he just turns it in, you know? And I saw something recently in, in Titus chapter one, verse 16, where Paul's writing to Titus and he's buttoning up a few things. And, and then this awesome verse that really just was highlighted to me like I've never seen before. Because one of the things that's interesting, if you get into the seven churches in, in Revelation, is the church of Laodicea, which a lot of people kind of like to look at it as a church age and us being that, you know, it's whatever you like. I like all of it if it doesn't contradict the word. But let's just say we fall in that slot as well. If you take the literal application off of it of the day of who he was talking to. And one of the things about him is, is he says this right here. He says, look, you think you've got it going on in me. You think you're rich. You can see all, he said, but I'm telling you right now, if you get asked for my true assessment, you're wretched, poor, blind, and naked. And, and I'm just, I'm concerned sometimes if we had the, real, the Lord's real assessment on our life. Look, Matthew 7, and I'm going to be super quick. Matthew 7 has some of the most profound ministers that you would see in, in the day. If you looked at their resume, if you looked at their websites, their exploits, their, their rap sheet was incredible. We would be fooled. I know I would be. And... The, it says in Matthew 7, right around verse 22, that these many, the Lord said, will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, um, you know, did we not? So first off, they think he's Lord. Let me go, let me go and go to uh, Titus 1.16. So sorry, I'm jumping all around. But since I'm throwing up verses, Titus 1.16, watch this, the end of it. Watch this. It says, they profess to know God but in works, they deny him. Being abominable, which, which, listen to this, I love to, I think sometimes, I don't know if you guys do this, I do this, sometimes I read these big terms like abominable, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's the, that's the complete ungodly wicked. But a lot of times, he's talking, he's talking straight to Titus to talk to elders, and it's, it's, it's within the church, people that profess to know God. Abominable, if you study that out, it's simply... A, detest, a detestable stench to God, typically when idols are in our life, which modern day idols, Michael just touched on it. It's, it's things that are capturing our attention more than him. And you can see the digression that happens. As soon as abominable kicks in, meaning something else has my attention, it means I wake up and I think of something else first other than Jesus. I wake up and I, I do the thing, I do my devotion, but all day I care more about my career and, and how I can be successful or who cares, says what about me or all these other things pull our heart. And then what happens is as soon as anything captures our heart more than him, you by default start becoming disobedient. And then when you start becoming disobedient, you, be, you become disqualified for every good work. And I, I think I can promise you, I'll fulfill this verse many times over. So again, no, I'm preaching to me, but a lot of times I think we're walking out these categories and every good work means anything that truly God has backed or performed. See, this is why the Matthew seven preachers, are, they fit so well here. Um, and that word profess real quick, it's really powerful. It means a self-assurance. It's not a verbal just so somebody will think you're, you have it going on. You really think you are. It's, you're completely convinced you know God. That word profess, it's a complete 100% self-assurance. I know God. No, I know him. It's, it, you know, and, but in our works, we can deny him.
And if you start looking at the Lord, I was like, oh my gosh, he goes to all seven churches. All seven. Let, let's go there and read it together. Um, please, you can start in uh, uh, chapter two. And it's interesting how the Lord checks our, our knowing and loving him. You start verse one on chapter two. Revelation chapter two, verse one. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, verse two, I know your works. See, see verse two? You'll start to see every church he comes from this angle. Jump down to verse eight, please. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, these things says the first and the last who was dead and who came to life, I know your works. Verse 12, and to the angel of the church in Pergamos, write, these things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword, I know your works. Verse 18, and to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, these things says the son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. Verse 19, I know your works. Jump over to chapter three, verse one, and to the angel in the church of Sardis, write, these things says, he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works. Verse seven, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, these things says, he who is holy, he who is true, he has the key of David, opens, no one shuts, shuts, no one opens. Verse eight, I know your works. Last one, verse 14. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, right? These things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works. So can you, can you imagine this? The Lord is literally, and I feel like he's doing this like never before. He's so loving and kind, first off, when he comes. He's, he's not ever um, angry. He's so merciful, kind, and good. But he's coming. He says, look, no, I, I hear what you're professing. If we can go back to Titus 1.16, he says, I know what you're professing. I know your whole crew. You think you know me. I've been saying it for quite a while, but I'm watching where your feet are going. I'm watching your works. I know, that's what I know. And he's going to the next church. I know your works. I know what you're convinced of. I, I mentioned these preachers in Matthew 7. They were convinced. And so these Matthew 7 preachers, they came to the Lord. Is this too heavy for you guys? Okay, praise God. You can feel it. It's in love. But I, I'm... I'm just taking it from me. So Matthew 7, all these preachers come to the Lord. They're like, Lord, Lord. If you mention that, you think you're fully submitted under the person. Did we not cast out devils in your name? Not attempt to. They were doing the thing. Probably some of the most profound deliverance conferences you ever saw are meetings. And I love deliverance. We cast out devils. It's awesome. It's the will of God. It's the great commission. Do that. Do more of it. But did we not cast out devils in your name? Prophesy in your name, not attempt to prophesy. You cannot prophesy without the spirit of God. Then the next one, it says, did we not do many mighty exploits in your name? And Jesus stepped back, he scanned him. He said, I'm sorry, I don't even know you boys. I don't know you. Not I once did. I, no, actually he says, I never knew you. And Matthew 7, check it out. And I just don't want us to get to heaven one day with all the websites and the, and the likes and the social media, whatever. Whatever we think. I'm telling you, we get fooled down here by all this. And the Lord often comes, like the church of Laodicea, and he says, look, I know you think you got it going on, but I, just please listen to me, please. 
You're blind, naked, and poor. I'm, I'm counseling you right now. Buy from me gold refined in fire. He's given them a chance. White garments to clothe your nakedness. Eye salve so we can see. He, uh, he prayed. It was so powerful di- during um, communion. And I pray the Lord get us in his loving kind of burn, cause our heart to burn. Road to Emmaus again and pull us back in to, to the main thing of really knowing him. That we, we wouldn't be professors only. You know, not like teachers, but, but verbally. And so you see it with the church of Sardis as, as well. He says, look, I know you guys have a reputation of being alive, but I'm telling you, if you check my books, you're not. That's, you're professing that alone. That's what you're convinced of. It's, it's the wrong assessment. And I, I pray the Lord would help us. And I know I'm preaching to the, the choir here in this church because you guys are radicals and madly in love with the Lord, but to who it would land with and whether she would have fit, that the Lord would help us in this hour like never before, steer away from verses like um, Titus chapter 1, verse 16, where it says they profess to know God. They're really, a, you know, they, there's a self-assurance to them that they do, but their work, their feet are going somewhere else. And I feel like those, those preachers, the Lord was looking at them, and, they, you know, he pulls out the scroll and he's like, man, you don't understand. You remember all the conferences? I could have, I was a, success, a successful businessman. I could have done so much more. I did all this for you, Lord. Many mighty exploits, not so-so, mighty exploits. And actually the Lord calculated it all up as works of lawlessness. And so that's what else I want to just point out, that the works he's testing and knowing by are ones done through intimacy and knowing him that look like obedience. There's a big, big difference. That's that's the qualified for good work here. It's, It's the things God does. And so, you know, so I, I can imagine there's this one preacher, you know, whatever his name would be out of the, the Matthew 7 crowd, and he's like, Lord, he's, he's, he's certain. He's professed to know God. He's, I'm certain, man. You should look at my rap sheet. I was the guy. I was the one who all, all the conferences wanted me and all this and others in the name of the Lord. And I did all this stuff, which we should do. Please hear me. I love that. We prophesy. Go do more. Do it, do it, do it. I'm just addressing the heart. And... He's given this rap sheet, and Jesus is going, yeah, but, but so-and-so. Say Bob. If there's any Bobs in here, it's n- no offense. It's not you. He said, yeah, but Bob, remember February 13th, that morning you got up, and you were really rallied up, you and your guys, to go to that next deliverance conference. You had built all this hoorah around. He said, you didn't hear me. I was knocking at the door of your heart, Bob. I was longing for you to lock up and be with me that day because I loved you. I want, I want to know you. I want you to know me. And you missed it. And then you did it again in the next year, the next year. And you kept going and building this, these many mighty exploits. And I pray we'd be so sensitive to his voice, not, um, this, not religion, not a condemning thing, but by his loving kindness that he'd mark us. We'd be those people that it's a lot less professing, a lot less false self-assurance, but we know him. The slightest wooing of the spirit, conviction. And, and desire of his is fully ours. Our, our lives are given over to him. We love him. We wake up and it's him alone. You, you want it all today, Lord? You want me to shift and drop everything? We'll move on the dime. The people that really know him, the, the obedience is there's no issue there, you know? And I, I prayed Marcus like never before. Like I touched on last night, those, those five wise virgins with extra oil. You know, it would be super oily in this hour, extra oil that our, our focus would get more single in this hour. He'd be on top of everything in our life and he would know us and we, we would know him. So um, you guys wanna go ahead and stand. We'll, we'll get ready to pray. Just wanna, um... 
bless you guys with that. And sorry, it's a little heavy, but now we're going to go glory and bodies and it'll be good. <laughs> yeah. But I love this type of stuff. It's really challenging me. And I'm like, help me, Lord, you know, um, let us burn again. Yep. Okay. Okay. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that then. Okay. Yeah, so uh, Pastor Michael was wanting me to call, make an open altar first for anybody that feels called into this. And, and I'll pray corporately, and you can feel free to fill the altars, let the Spirit of God move. And I just want to concur with what he's saying, that I believe the Lord will mark hearts in this moment and cause our hearts to burn again and and it's really beautiful when he does this because, again, it's his loving kindness. He's so good, and it kind of reassesses things and starts to allow us to really see things rightly and get the priorities straight, which is him, where he needs to be enthroned upon our heart. And so uh, if you, anybody wants to come or that resonates with you, we want to welcome you down front. We want to pray, and I will see what the Spirit of the Lord does. So, so Lord, thank you so much. Uh, in this, in this time, Holy Spirit, just the conviction of, of hearts, even mine included, Lord, I, I pray that you would mark us this night for your glory, Lord, that you would make us people that uh, no longer profess alone, but truly know you, that our, our works would not deny you. Uh, in Jesus' name, Lord, I pray that you would walk up to us and say, Say, I, I know your works and it'd be true. And we wouldn't be deceived you know, in and of ourselves of thinking we're rich in God and all of these things when we've kind of veered and strayed. And, and I pray, yeah, that first love would, would ignite again where it would need be. Hearts would burn again. We'd wake up this year of 2024 and long to be with him. All of the other things that have crept in, the noise and the voices of those things that have drawn and got our attention that they would start to, the mute button would be hit on them. And his voice would trump all. In Jesus' name.